the Workforce Connections podcast, where we discuss workforce development in Southern Nevada. Here's your host. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the WC podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. They say there's always a first for everything, but there's always also a second. Today, back by popular demand, the first guest to ever come back for a second time. I'm proud to welcome my friend, my colleague from Austin, Texas, President and CEO of Workforce Solutions Capital Area, Tamara Atkinson. Thank you so much for inviting me back, Jaime. I want to believe it's because I did a good enough job the first time, but it could also be that I messed up so badly you had to give me a second chance to come back. Either way, it's a pleasure to be back with you. Yeah, I, I'm always... <laughs> Uh, grateful to see you. Uh, we were just in Orlando together with all of our peers. Uh, again, as we'll talk about later, uh, I have always enjoyed visiting you in Austin, learning from what's happening over there. And we're grateful to have you here uh, because today, you're, besides being with us, you're also going to be in front of our Governor's Workforce Development Board. So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, tell us a little bit about where you were born, where you grew up, went to school, went to college, your first job, but most importantly, tell us about how you arrived to the workforce development system. Yeah, thank you so much for that question, Jaime. Here's what I'll say. I, I see now as I look back that all of my experiences really led me to the job I'm in now and the work I get to do now. So I was born in Manhattan, Kansas, to parents who were from Kansas going to school, Kansas State University. Uh, but then my father was uh, in the Air Force and was located overseas in Japan, uh, working there when I was in pre-K. When he looked back at where he wanted to have our family set down roots, he chose Texas, particularly North, North Texas. So I grew up uh, in the D Dallas Fort Worth area in a, what was a little town called Denton. Now it's a big town of Denton. So did all my formative schooling in Texas, went to the University of Texas, Hook'em Horns. And, uh, and then I really thought I wanted to focus on education, Jaime. And so I focused on learning, um, English language, uh, applied linguistics, and I became a teacher. And I became a teacher where I worked overseas. And here's what I learned when I was doing that. I mean, I learned that what education was that I was drawn to was really skill building to help people get a job. Because what I was doing when I lived overseas and when I was an educator is I was helping adults learn skills that were in demand and that the market wanted to pay for. Well, what do we call that? Workforce development. Mm -hmm. So when I came back to the States in my mid-20s, I realized that there was this industry called workforce development. And I started there over two decades ago, worked my way up, and have been at the board for more than 20 years. Wow. And, and your board, Workforce Solutions Capital Area, is uh, a nationally recognized board, uh, multiple times over a uh, high performance board. Again, you and I happen to be uh, fortunate to be part of that high impact boards group from the National Association of Workforce Boards. Most recently, I, again, a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago in DC, we saw your board and Athena Manufacturing win the 2023 NOB uh, Award, the Lawton Business Leadership Award. And so we've learned a lot from you over the last few years. We're grateful, again, that you are here uh, this time to present to the Governor's Workforce Development Board the benefits of having the child care assistance funds in the American Job Centers, supporting the work of getting people back to work. And so tell us why this topic that, that you've flown all the way from Austin here to share with us, why is it such an important topic? Well, 
It's an important topic because childcare is the number one impediment for workers going back to work or finishing their post-secondary education, number one. And I think that one of the upsides, and I almost hate to say it, but one of the upsides of the pandemic was our country having a recognition of the of the need and value of childcare for families. And so in Texas, starting in the mid-90s, uh, up until about 2000, Texas realized that childcare was part of the employment ecosystem. So moved the childcare funding to our state workforce institution. And ever since then, we've been operating it. So what I'm hoping to convey today is the value to the business community of having childcare matched with workforce, the value to our families in being able to have a one-stop shop that truly reflects where their needs are, and finally, the value to our overall economy to have these connected. And I know, uh, Tamara, as we drove here this morning, uh, you talked, you shared with me also that it goes beyond the public um, workforce funding system. You had talked about how in Austin, this uh, is energizing a new dialogue where you have become the hub, if you will, of how the community's uh, looking for new ways to pitch in and, and bring other resources to, again, be able to have a more robust child care system, especially that infant care, early care, to support economic development in the region. Tell us about some of the things that are happening with, with that in Austin, the mayor's office, employers who are if you will, more aware than ever that they have some skin in the game as well. Absolutely. So when, when with childcare funding running through the board, it makes us a natural hub when there's other childcare resources. So for example, today I'm going to share with the Governor's Workforce Board that we have over $53 million under management at our board alone. Part of that is from our state agency, but a lot of it comes from local government. So the value I think you're talking about and I was sharing with you is because the workforce board is the hub for connecting all the services in the employment ecosystem. We're the natural hub when there are new resources coming in. And we also know that statewide, we are only able to support about 11% of the childcare needs. So as I work with our mayor's office, I work with our local elected leaders, I'm continuing to make the case for why and how we should expand access through expanded resources. And of course, I'm promoting our system as the place that can lead all of this. Now, one of the things that I, again, that I value about these relationships with our peers, you know, there's only 550 of us across the nation and only we understand uh, what we go through every day, mm -hmm. right? Our work yeah. is very unique. I, I enjoy receiving uh, your newsletter, uh, you know, working in Austin. And I love how you warn us all, the readers, hey, this is a five-minute read, you know, so you don't have to invest a whole lot of time. But it gives readers a quick glance at all the great work, like you just mentioned, happening in your area. I also noticed, uh, of course, the Austin Next podcast. Um, I even saw the cool new logo. I can see a cup pretty soon in, in, in your future. I want mine when I come to Austin. Uh, but you have made it such a priority to tell the, the story of what's happening, the value you bring to the community. You've been trying to tell the story in, in every platform possible. Why is that so important? Well, it's so important because we don't want to be a best-kept secret, and we are told that we're a best-kept secret, Jaime. And also, our strategic plan, which is called our Higher Local Plan, it outlines four key tenets to our success. Number one on that list is awareness. So we know that we need to constantly be telling the story of what we have 
to offer, how to access our services, and the benefits of accessing our services. And so we've taken to social media, we've taken to podcasts, we've taken to newsletters, any forum that we can find to reach workers uh, and employers, we're doing that. And I want to say that one of our number one challenges right now in Austin, and and you tell me if it's any different in Las Vegas, because I want to learn from you, is really finding the workers that could use the skill training and services that we provide. And so we want to make sure that we are raising awareness through all these different avenues, including through the schools. Yeah, I I think uh, we're on the same page as you and I were just discussing in, in my office. We really believe that the earlier, the better, the exposure, because the employers we've been hearing from through the launch of our industry sector partnerships last year was we feel that we need a more robust connection to the earliest piece of the talent pipeline. And that's the K through 12 system. So we have uh, uh, very intentional, purposeful initiatives that are now happening, not just in high school and middle school, but also elementary school. And I know a lot of our listeners might say, can uh, can the work of the workforce boards really uh, impact elementary school students? And I say yes, because imagine a 10-year-old in elementary school, in just eight years, he or she is going to be part of the workforce. And so, uh, yes, we are investing early, as you said, to make sure that we are getting ahead of the curve. Well, and Jaime, and if if you and I are successful uh, in this conversation, we're starting today around early childhood education, you might even start younger at impacting the future workforce, because really that's another way to look at childcare, to bring it full circle to your previous question, is when we are providing really quality early childhood education, we are helping uh, children be kindergarten ready, which sets them up to be those great future workers in your community. That's right. I like how you're flipping the interview and you're asking me the question. That's pretty, <laughs> you're practicing for your podcast. Uh, I hope one of these days I'm going to be a guest on the Austin, uh, you know, uh, next podcast. But you and I were just in Orlando, Florida, again, with our peers from the U.S. Conference of, Meyer, of Mayors Workforce Development Council. And where Kathy, you know, Amoroso and her team do such a good job at bringing us together at least four times a year. And you and I have seen... Some of our peers uh, hold those officer roles in that organization. We've learned from them so many, you know, that I'll forget to name some, but, you know, recently Lori and Pam and Mark and, you know, Andrew and on and on and on, uh, a lot of our peers. But now uh, this year, you are our president of our Workforce Development Council. Thanks to our peers who voted us, voted us in, I get to serve as the first vice president and our friend Danielle Frazier from uh, Charlotte as our second vice president. So tell us, what do you hope to accomplish in your term as president of the Workforce Development Council? Well, first of all, thank you, Jaime. And I couldn't be more pleased than to serve with you and Danielle. And as you said, I really stand on the shoulder of giants and so many great leaders and role models that came before us. So I have three priorities as president this year. Um, The first is I really want to understand and galvanize our council around the opportunity and the infrastructure funds. I think the bipartisan infrastructure law, BIL, provides unprecedented once-in-a-lifetime opportunities for workforce development, talent development to support infrastructure projects. And workforce boards are not named in the legislation, so we have to make a case for our value. So that's number one. How are we doing it? How can we be more effective? How do we share? 
Number two is that uh, I really want to talk about childcare and other support services critical to our success and talent development. We started that conversation last week in Orlando, and I want to keep that going. Third is I really want to see that we build a network among our peers. You said it so well, Jaime. This is how you and I met. It's through the Workforce Development Council. I want to create a place where people uh, prioritize on their calendars involvement so that we can build a network of colleagues that we can lean on, share best practices, support each other, and learn and grow. That's awesome. I think uh, I just remember now as you were talking how you and I were both excited in Orlando because uh, not only did we get to see our colleague Pam, but she introduced us to uh, the head of Disney, right, Mickey Mouse. We got to take uh, we got to take our pictures with Mickey. We went to the secret test lab, uh, you know, in Disneyland, which was really cool. So, Pam has uh, Pam. If you're out there, shout out to you. She set the standard pretty high. Is it when we, you and I, get to host it one day in our cities? Who are we going to bring for picture taking? We're probably working on that already. <laughs> it feels like, in some ways, Jaime, you're going to have it easier here in Las Vegas. You have the potential of, I don't know, Elvis impersonators or showgirls, or you. You've got lots of ways. I'm going to have to up my game. I will say, Jaime, that when I posted the picture of myself with uh, with Mickey Mouse, I got so many comments from people more than when I'm standing next to an elected official. So that just tells you <laughs> what people want to see. Yeah, me too. When I said it to my kids, they're like, Dad, you're so lucky. So <laughs> shout out to Pam. Uh, Tamara, every time I visited Austin, you've been super generous with your time, your resources, your knowledge. You know, you make your staff available. You host us in your buildings. And I hope that we're reciprocating half as well here whenever you've visited us to, you know, here in Las Vegas, including this visit. But last time you were here, you brought your leadership, your board chair, your vice chair, I think your vice chair-elect. And we engaged here with our leadership in a best practices exchange, which I think, uh, you know, is a... For us, it was hugely beneficial. We're already implementing some of the things we learned from you and our industry sector partnerships. Uh, my question would be, was that visit beneficial for you? And if so, uh, you know, how, are you implementing anything new and how's it going with that? Uh, absolutely. So, so resounding, yes. So there's really three ways that I can tell you that we are better off as a result of our visit here last year. One is what we're doing right now. You inspired us to launch our own podcast. We're still getting it off the ground, but the fact that you do this and do it so well and have really come out strong and demonstrating uh, a model for us, that was number one big takeaway. My board members left saying, Tamara, we've got to do this. <laughs> so thank you, or I should say, oh my gosh, you <laughs> created more work for us, <laughs> but I'm glad you did. The second is... The fact that you have such a presence in your community via your libraries, you inspired us. When we went on site to one of your libraries and can walk, could walk around the space, see it, feel it, it really inspired us. Now in Austin, we're in two libraries. Uh, we're piloting it, learning about the success, how do we measure success, how do we staff it, some of those kinks we're working out. But we know we want to grow, and you are a role model for that, Jaime, so thank you. And third, and this really can't be understated, is you showed us the value of, of prioritizing best practice trips with our board members and staff. So uh, just this year, we were able to go to Prince George County and visit our friend Walter Simmons uh, and look at what he's doing there and learn from him. And so now we are seeing that we need to go on the road periodically to learn from so many of our peers and bring the best of the best back to Austin. Yeah, I think um, 
any executive director like us, and I know you and I, we we encourage uh, that from our peers. If they're not doing that, they're missing out on a great opportunity because, again, I don't have to, uh, not only can I learn from you, but you help me not replicate the the, the mistakes that or the, the things that didn't work out. You, We share that with each other, and so it's a double win because I get to uh, try to replicate things that are already working, and I also avoid going down a road that perhaps, you know, I shouldn't be going down. So win-win uh, there. Well, I you know, again, I can't tell you how much I enjoy our time together. This time has been, I think when I see you here offside, the our meetings is a little better because over there we have to share each other. I'm always like 20 of us uh, fighting for each other's time and we're having meals together, which is great, but it was really great to have this one-on-one time with you these couple of days that you've been here in Las Vegas. If our listeners or viewers want to learn more about the great work in Austin, tell us the easiest way for them to find out. I know I know how to get to your website, but tell us your website or any other uh handle that they can look for to see the work happening in Austin. Sure. So you can go to wfscapitalarea.com. And if you connect with us there, you can sign up to receive those uh, Working in Austin newsletters. You can see we post all the social media that we get in interviews that we do. We catalog and archive it there. People can check us out that way. And you can always just contact me directly if you have any questions. So we'll make sure to put your uh, information here on the screen uh, during the, the the edit work to make sure that people know how to reach you. I want to thank you, my friend, for being here, uh, for always being there for us. And I can't wait to see you next time. Well, thank you so much for all of your hospitality. You really exemplify what makes Las Vegas so great. So thank you. <laughs> thank you, Tara. Thank you. <laughs> well, that's it for another episode of the WC Podcast. We hope to see you in the next one. Until then, stay safe.